I'm Lizanne Flynn. I'm a master healer who works with all earthlings to reunite them within themselves and with each other, regardless of the dimension they're currently in. Meaning, I'm a medium as well as an animal communicator, medical intuitive, and channel for all beings. I use the tools of shamanic journeying and soul retrieval to support animals and humans as they heal from past trauma. I'm certified as a Reiki master teacher and as a canine massage therapist. This is the Animals I View podcast. I may have mentioned before that it seems to happen that transitions of other beings, mostly animals, occur more than one at a time. Meaning, I get several clients in a row, and while they're all unique and individual to be sure, there are several underlying themes that are a part of each of them, which we'll get to in just a minute. I've always said, and will likely always say, that it is my highest honor to be the last voice for any being while their form is still on earth. And I would probably add to that being the voice of any being now in pure energy who wishes to communicate in any way, shape, or form in love and compassion any friend or family member that is still in planetary form. There's just something that's so incredibly healing to just be a part of that. It It is in that planetary experience of sentient earthling, of course, that all of the rich wisdom gained in awareness during a lifetime is very present and vibrant and ready to be shared with beloved family members. Which, from the human perspective, sometimes isn't our view. Because we tend to be so focused on the outer physical layer of releasing that we can miss the incandescent flame that burns brightest just before transition, especially for our animal companions. And for those who don't know, my word for death is transition, and it's what the animals prefer because, as a quote that's been attributed to Chief Seattle, There is no death, there is only a change in worlds. And I think it's true that it's not that they don't share their wisdom with us all along, it's that our perception of them narrows to a finer point as transition nears, so that we're more aware of who and how they are and have been for a very long time. Because sometimes we also see during our lifetimes with us the the really shiny wisdom mirrors that they hold up for us as not being mirrors. We see them as problems, and more specifically, their behavior problems. We We forget to take a big step back and look at the whole picture that they're presenting, as they do, 
And we forget to see ourselves as part of the, frankly, co-creative team that shares an energetic environment with them. Which, of course, means we're also part of whatever temporary misalignment with energy is happening in the first place that caused that mirror to be pulled out. And when that mirror is pulled out, usually via behavior, which is akin to waving a red flag and saying, whoa, up there, something is happening that is affecting everybody in a shared environment. And we can't be our best selves, which is really important to us, the animals, until you, the guardian, shifts. This is how it always works. (laughs) When you shift your energy, they will follow your lead And that allows them and actually supports them as they shift. And then then they say, then all of us can heave a great big huge sigh of relief, just like when you find the absolutely perfect place in which to curl up and take a nice long nap. At least that's how you might imagine the conversation would go. And you'd probably be just about right, give or take a few details. The really amazing thing is that they also don't take anything personally and would love for us not to either when it comes to shifting an environment. They look at it as, okay, how does this thing feel to me? Does it bring me joy or is there something that needs to be adjusted before my body tells me I am in alignment with whatever it is I need? And I would say to that, talk about your wisdom. And it's our focus on the physical, of course, that may mean we miss some of the shiny mirror moments and the themes. We focus on the physical everywhere. Ours, theirs, others. We're all about the physical, which means, of course, then, an attachment at times to the physical. And yes, of course, the emotional and the mental as well, yet it's with the physical with which we lead. That means that when their transition is nearing and soon after transition with our sharper perception of their frankly preciousness in our lives is what makes our focus on their physicality a uh, taking a giant leap forward in importance because that has changed dramatically, of course. We're, we're aware of the unconditional love they offer so freely, and sometimes we tangle even that up with the physical. We, we take such comfort in their furriness or their featheredness, or sometimes even their scaledness, because it is so attached or so we perceive to the being inside. And it is, to a certain extent, soul and body being one, after all, on this planet, Yet, for animals, they view the physical with more neutrality and therefore, interestingly enough, more devotion and compassion than we do because nothing is ever really wrong with their bodies and nothing ever really needs to be fixed. They perceive whatever ailment or injury or circumstance on any level is occurring, they are perhaps more aware than we are of how they feel and the temporary balance that has occurred. 
I can't tell you how many times as a medical intuitive, I've often been knocked out completely by how incredibly detailed their knowledge is of their own form and how intimately they know themselves. They can and will, if the guardian is meant to know, caveat, highest and best good, the exact location, system, and organ that is needing realignment and or is causing the manifestation of the outward physical issue that we see. And I will also feel, usually immediately, if this is a situation from which they can recover in this lifetime, that is always quite clear. And it's always one of those moments, a little bit of a sinking feeling for me, to be honest with you, where I think, okay, let's see, how can I make this work for everybody? How can I communicate this with as much compassion and neutrality as I can? Because I'm the bridge. I'm the bridge between animal and human. And where they may want to choose differently than either treatment or a straightaway separation from the body depends, of course, entirely on soul path because they are masterful at partnering with and living with in every single moment their soul path, which is why I think we love them so very much. Speaking only for myself, I deeply admire their courage, their vulnerability, their strength, their open hearts, and I attempt to emulate those very attributes when I'm partnering with their guardians. I want to meet them where they are and not where I want them to be, because that's how they meet us, exactly where we are. If there's still an awareness to be gained between guardian and animal, the animal may opt for a treatment plan. Everything, though, is energy-driven with them, and this is no exception to that premise. If there has been a completion of all the awarenesses to be gained, then they may not opt for a treatment plan. They understand that what is fixed within a certain amount of time is how much energy the body has left with which to support them. This I refer to as their window of transition. We all have one. They just embrace theirs where we tend to fear ours and we call it death because we also perceive that this third dimensional experience may very well be it and what happens next may just be nothingness which is another way that they are remarkably different than we are. They want to be conscious when they transition, meaning most of them that I have ever worked with, and even those who did not have euthanasia as a form of transition, would say they prefer euthanasia. They frankly think that it's barbaric what we do to our bodies and force them to do sometimes as well which is to let the body totally give out and expire rather than offer it the ultimate act of mercy and compassion. They would also very quickly add, and they understand, that there may be times when there is no room time-wise for heartfelt consideration of options, such as in a sudden decline or emergency situation. Their bottom line is that they trust a simplicity to do right by them, which, of course, is the rub in human experience. 
because of our fear of death and be, and the beyond, whatever we imagine that to be, it takes a tremendous amount of courage to discuss euthanasia with each other, with our veterinary support team, and most of all, the animals themselves. And, and the, the really interesting thing is, the, the last one I mentioned, the animals themselves can be the least of your worries, because they know their own bodies so much better than we can possibly imagine. They are often eager to discuss how their transition might happen. They know the inevitable outcome, and they want to talk about who they want to be present for that, where they want it to happen, how they want it to happen, all the things that we as humans would want to discuss at the end of our planetary experience if we are given the choice. And oftentimes after this discussion with them, including any celebration of life ceremony they want to have afterward, there will be an increase in energetic behavior seen by the guardian. This doesn't mean the life path is to be extended. What it means is that the sharing of this burden has lightened their load tremendously so that they can continue looking even more forward to their next room, as they call it, their next experience, all the while more deeply treasuring the current experience and the other beings with whom they're sharing this experience. They say, oh, phew, good, I can release that. Let's get back to the business of finding as much joy as possible while I'm still here. And of course, the ethical rub with the veterinary support staff can be that they take an oath. They take an oath to keep that animal as healthy as possible for as long as possible. And there will always come a tipping point where it's clear that all has been done that can be done and even more importantly, chosen to be done, which is where the phrase extending the runway comes in at long last. This phrase isn't mine. I borrowed it from a gifted canine massage student when I was an instructor at my alma mater several years ago, because I think it's brilliant. What it means is how many ways can one increase the quality of life for the time that is left for an animal companion, which you might imagine is an incredibly broad range and doesn't necessarily mean the same thing for every animal because, well, individuals, right? For some, it could mean beginning when their animal companion is heading into the geriatric phase of life from senior phase of life and adjusting accordingly, shortening the walks so they so that they conserve the energy that may be starting to subside physically, choosing walks that are more appropriate for their age and physical ability, and at the same time, you as partner, recognizing the why of doing just that for them and dealing with it. Because perhaps grief at coming to the end of their journey with you will come up. It will not do you or them any good to deny that because it delays the inevitable shock of making it worse. And perhaps any physical health issues could become exacerbated if you don't modify to suit their bodies. Extending the runway could also mean making choices about whether to entertain chemotherapy in some cases, amputation in others, and removal of organs in a third case, all being led by your veterinary team. 
It could also mean making choices not to do any of those things considered to be life-extending because the animal chooses not to have those things done to them or that those things simply aren't feasible within a situation no matter how hard your veterinary support team may press to do them. It's meant to be a partnership between animal and human with the animal not being kept alive simply because death cannot be faced or because there's one more thing to try due to guilt or fear that the human needs to do more to extend a life that shortly will be released. If the transition is faced with an open heart and information from the animal is what you lead with, all will be well and a course of action can be determined with a consensus outcome. At least, that's how the animals see it. Thanks for listening today. Leave a review if you're so inspired, and be sure to subscribe to this podcast. I offer all new clients a free 15-minute consultation. Reach out if you think I can be of service via www.lazanflynn.com. Come and find me on social media, Facebook, Twitterverse, Instagram, and LinkedIn. I encourage you to sign up for my quarterly newsletter on my website, where I also post notices for upcoming events such as new classes and online psychic fairs. This has been the Animal's Eye View podcast. I'll see you next time.